some of your texts. Um, this listener says, handguns are completely useless as it is in Canada. You can't use them for hunting or defense. I don't see the big deal. They're basically toys for indoor shooting ranges. FYI, I own six guns. Now, that's not um, the prevailing opinion on our text line, I don't think. A lot of people, a lot of people concerned more than anything about the handgun uh, legislation. This listener says the new handgun bill targets the wrong people. To, stay, to say it will stop handgun crime is missing the point that law-abiding owners are not committing the crimes. Using their logic, we may as well ban vehicle ownership, as vehicles account for more deaths and injuries than firearms. Um, Similar sentiment from a number of you. Uh, I'm going to get some reaction now from the uh, Canadian Coalition for Firearm Rights. We're going to chat with Rod Giltaka, who is president of that organization. He joins us now. Rod, thanks so much for your time this morning. Appreciate you joining us. Thanks for having me, Shane. Uh, let's just walk through the, the main points of this legislation, starting with the one that seems to have the most controversial uh, slant to it and the one people are reacting to most, and that is a national freeze on importing, buying, or selling handguns in Canada. Your response to that provision of this legislation? Well, I mean, it's it's purely political. It's for optics. Um, it's uh, it's very divisive. And the reason for that is is that... The Trudeau government has come out and said, you know, we, we see all this handgun violence. We're taking concrete action to address it. So they're, they're, they're banning handguns exclusively from licensed firearm owners. And, I mean, you know, I think most people, um, well, they may or may not know that, that handguns are, are extremely tightly regulated in Canada. It takes six months to even get a license to own a handgun. They're registered. The government knows who has them. The, the, we have strict laws around storage and transportation. They can only be used at the shooting range. People go through, they, there's a lot of commitment required to be a handgun owner and full accountability, including daily background checks, just to own these things. And for some reason, the government's like, hmm, there's your problem. And, and police across the country have said, licensed gun owners aren't a problem. So nothing could be missed the mark uh, further. Okay, now just to push back a little bit there, Rod, he was he was asked about that this morning. You said it was a ban on handguns. It's not a ban. It, he calls it a freeze or a cap, or you can't sell it anymore. But his point is, you know what? We're not targeting legal gun owners. If you have a handgun right now, nobody's gonna, nothing changes for you. Everything is exactly the same if you're licensed. And all the rules still apply. We're just saying we're not going to allow any more to be sold in Canada. Right, so it's actually a ban, and it's uh, it's using a, a scheme that's called grandfathering. So this is very similar to short-barreled handguns uh, back in the early 90s when they were banned. So everyone that had them could keep them, could continue to use them, but no one else can can ever become a, a, a handgun owner. Right. So it is. I mean, whether they call it a freeze or not, that's that's exactly the same thing as they did as, as they did earlier. So no one today that is an upstanding citizen can ever participate in a shooting sport with handguns. And the existing uh, shooting sports with handguns across the country, including the clubs and dealers and the, the, everything, will slowly collapse. Yeah. And you know, and, and again, if the if the if the the objective is public safety, you know, listen to police. Police are saying. Licensed handgun owners, no problem. This is James Raymer, the, the chief of police in, in Toronto, including his acting deputy chief, Myron Demke, both said flat out, we have no problem with licensed gun owners. We have a problem with criminal groups and smuggled handguns. Now, we'll have to wait and see because you know he did say yesterday they're planning on increasing criminal penalties and providing more tools to investigate 
firearm crimes and strengthening border measures. We don't have the details, so it's not like that's being completely overlooked, but you think that should be the focus of handgun legislation? Absolutely. You know, we have we have a gang problem. Uh, we have um, and we have a problem with criminal activity, even outside of gangs. Uh, these are these are issues that affect Canadians the most. And this is where all the focus should be. So I'll, I'll give you an example. You know, on uh, on May 1st, 2020, there was a massive uh, rifle ban. Um, to buy those guns back is going to cost probably $2 billion. The government itself thinks a billion. So when it came to the long gun registry, it was 1,000 times over budget. Uh, so I think uh, doubling would be pretty reasonable. Um, $2 billion on taking my rifles uh, away and paying me for them. And $200 million in investing in root causes of violence in communities. So you can just, you, you know, all you need to do is look through the details you understand that this is a political exercise. It's punishing people that probably wouldn't vote liberal. And and this is what it's all about. It's not about public safety. It's terrible. Well, I mean, you say that, though. But, but listen, I mean, just the latest stats in terms of polling and surveys around Canadians, four in five Canadians say they support a ban on assault-style weapons. 61% say they're in favor of banning handguns. So it's not just people who vote liberal, Rod. A lot, and the Canadian support is there for gun control. Well, I mean, I, I mean, we support certain gun control. Yeah. We su- we're not anti-regulation, right? But it has to be regulation that makes sense. Now, polls, if you look at there's a huge problem on Twitter with people that run polling companies like Frank Graves and, and others that are on there screaming about gun control, and I'm supposed to trust data that comes from the company. But nonetheless, um, polls, when you call someone up at, at dinner time and say, do you want to ban assault rifles? Like, who would say no to that, right? But they're, they're not banning assault rifles. They're banning semi-automatic rifles that have been in Canada for since for 60 years. So polling polling isn't the entire answer. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to whether or not people are voting, 18% of the population voted liberal in the last election. So there's 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 a lot going on here. And government also has a responsibility to act in a responsible manner to say, where is the problem? How do we best use our resources? And how do we protect the freedom and ability for people just to live unimpeded? And right now, the answer is, it doesn't matter what the question is, Shane, the answer is more government. Yeah. The answer is, get the government to use force against people and take their things. That's the only answer on the table with the liberals. And it's really, it's it, whether people see it as a problem now, they will see it as a problem later when it's their turn. It's, a, it's an issue. Um, okay, and as you say, your organization does support gun control or some restrictions as long as they make sense to you. Let's walk through some of the other ones here quickly. Um, sure. Pulling licenses from people involved in acts of domestic violence or criminal harassment. To me, that seems like a no-brainer. Do you agree with that? Of course. <laughs> Absolutely. That, yeah, that one seems Aussie. Uh, same thing, you know, the red flag laws. There's some discussion around that because we kind of already have these red flag laws, right? I mean, you already have, if you get yourself in trouble and a, and a judge deems that you are a danger to yourself or others, they can take steps to remove your firearms already, right? Absolutely, they can. And, and have th- those laws have been in place since the early 90s. Okay. The one that seems to have some people support it, some people don't like it. Uh, help me out. Uh, how do you feel about the permanently altered magazines for these quote-unquote rifles? Uh, they have to be permanently altered so they can never hold more than five rounds. Right now, they have to be at least temporarily altered. Is this a big deal? No, they've always had to be permanently altered. And it looks like this is just um, a repeat of their previous bill, C-21, that didn't pass last time around before the election. 
And this is um, a, a completely meaningless duplicate law. Right now, if you have a firearm magazine that holds more than the prescribed number of rounds, it's a prohibited device, okay. and you'll go to jail for that. So what, now they're saying, but if you're the one that altered it, you'll go to jail. If I have possession of it, I'm going, I'm going to jail regardless. So this is, this is fluff. Um, you cannot legally possess firearm magazines that have more, that can accept more than the prescribed number of rounds today. Okay, going back to this, Prime Minister says, we're not targeting legal gun owners. If you have legal guns, you can keep them. We just don't want more guns. We don't need more guns. We're putting a cap on how many handguns we're allowing into the market, and we're going to deal with having the illegal guns. Always the response is, you're targeting the wrong people. You should be targeting the illegal guns. How do the gun control or the um, the firearms advocates say that should be done? You always say that the governments are doing it wrong. So what's the right way? How do you deal with handgun crime? You can't deny that it's going up. It's very high in some of the major cities. How does that get dealt with in a way that deals with it in a, and doesn't upset you? Well, um, it's, well, I guess, uh, first of all, it's it's not up to me to do the government's job for them but certainly we can we can throw some ideas around um, when you look at uh, criminal behavior with handguns it's almost all attributed to organized crime like gangs yeah. and then other criminal activities um, to do with with drugs and human trafficking and other things even if they're not organized like that's the, almost all of that yes. all of handgun crime is rely is related to those groups so you need to figure out how you're going to stop them from committing criminal activity. And one of the big things is, and it's controversial, is bail reform. What we see time and time again, and I'm, we're talking hundreds of times per year, are people that were involved in gunplay in downtown Toronto or Vancouver being caught by police and turned out 24 hours later. And will reoffend obtaining a gun or getting the gun that they were able to get rid of retrieving it and getting into gunplay again. And this is what we see in cities. And this is why people are so outraged about handguns. And so they should be, because it's, that's a reasonable emotional response. Because they're like, you know, there's, there's, there's bullets flying all over the place. That's true. So the way that you deal with that is to deal with the people. And it's only a handful. Law enforcement across the country have had this, these discussions with government. Government's not listening. But they're saying it's a really small number of people committing the overwhelming majority of these crimes. So somehow we have to figure out whether it's a change in legislation or a change in policy or whatever. When you get a hold of these people, you keep them in jail. Because if they're not on the street, almost like the same argument with less guns, less whatever. If if these people aren't on the street, they're not not shooting guns on the street. And they're not trafficking firearms either. We've got to get tough on the people that are doing these things, not people like me. I, yeah, I think most people agree with that. Uh, I, I don't know how you do that, though. Right? Once they're con- caught, and you know what, the police associations across the country are with you in terms of when it comes to bail reform, not letting people out if they've used a firearm, that's it. You, you don't have bail as easily as you do now. And also bringing in mandatory minimums if you commit offenses with, with firearms. Those are both proposals that a lot of police associations are urging the government to make as well. So I think you got, you got some firm footing. And that makes perfect sense to me, too. Absolutely. If you want to crack down on the people who are using guns illegally, go ahead and do it. I mean, it makes perfect sense. So, uh, well, first, you know what, Shane? Yeah. You know what, Shane? One more thing. Um, gun crime in downtown Toronto was never lower than when carding was in place. 
And carding is there's it's problematic. There's some issues with carding. Yeah. But I've spoken to Toronto police officers and they said carding made a huge difference. And when we got rid of carding, because and I'm not and I'm not saying that there aren't issues. There are issues with that and those need to be confronted. But what some people are saying is like, well, someone that would get ID'd a couple of times a month is too objectionable. That's a bridge too far. But to take Rod Giltaka's guns in Vancouver because of shootings in downtown Toronto is like, well, this only makes common sense. So we know what works. There are things that we have done that worked, but they're not politically palatable. And so I guess I think Canadians need to figure out what, whether they want to solve the problems or whether they want to continue to divide Canadians and play politics and just let these problems run rampant. So that's one example for you. Excellent. Rod, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you for the opportunity. You bet. That is Rod Giltaka, who is president of the Canadian Coalition for Firearms Rights. Uh, Appreciate Rod joining us.